Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. And welcome to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. I'm John Norman and alongside me, former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And what a superb show we have for you this week. Coming up, you'll hear from England's most successful wicket taker in the history of Test cricket, Jimmy Anderson. You know, I've got myself in, in really good shape. I'd say I'm, I'm as, in as good a shape as I have been in my 30s. If not better, to be honest. Also on the show, Essex coach Anthony McGrath. But which possible future England star is he talking about here? He's one of them players when he's batting you want to watch him because he'll do something you're not expecting. So much to talk about today. I better get started. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 as part of the following on podcast. Hello and welcome and a big thanks for listening in wherever uh, you are doing so. Uh, you're listening to TalkSport 2 or on the following on podcast. This is the Cricket Collective with John Norman and Steve Harmison. And let's start as we mean to go on. At the top, here's England's Jimmy Anderson. Anderson in, that's a straight ball, swinging away. It's chip back to him! The last five, six years, it's just been ridiculous to watch him ball. You can't hit him. Here comes Anderson in again and bowls. So this delivery is edging and he's out quite a first slip. That happened so easily. That was the right length. That was the right line. Look, he's a world-class performer and he just doesn't bowl bad balls and, you know, he's getting better and better. Edge gone. Third slip, no problem this time. Well, Alzari Joseph goes down as not in the scorecard and he goes down as James Anderson's fifth wicket. I can still see that the, the hunger's there. I still want to feel like I've got something to offer this test side uh, and hopefully I've got a few more test wickets in, uh, in there somewhere. There's 17 test matches for England in, in 2021. Is there an element of realism that players won't play every test this summer and it's a case of managing the workload, essentially? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're seeing that right now. Uh, as a sort of on the back of last year you know we've not got Joffre with us at the moment Ben's not with us either and that's likely to continue throughout this winter uh, and into the summer I think the, there's just so much cricket going on around the world not just internationally but the domestic T20s that, that the guys play in it's going to take its toll at some point with all these bubbles around the world uh, you know especially in the, the current climate so I think um, it's something we'll see for, for certainly the next few months. Uh, I imagine it will continue into the winter as well. As you say, it's not just the amount of test matches. I think it's, you know, the six test matches we've got here in, in India and Sri Lanka are in such quick succession that it would be silly to think that, that certainly the bowlers will get through all six. So I think, again, as in the summer, there might be some rotation uh, as we go forward. As Anderson comes in once again. Oh, it's a beauty edged! And out! And Karuna Ratney 
immediately goes to the review. But I thought I heard a noise on the stump microphone real time. Umpire S. Ravi says to Chris Gaffney, stay with your decision and England make the perfect start. Going on the last couple of tours, obviously spin's been a huge part of uh, our success here. The, the wickets have, have really suited the spinners, um, but it's something that as a, as a seam bowler, we've got a good good pace attack here. You're still, you're still in the game. There's still opportunities to take wickets. You know, there's reverse swing. Uh, the, ball, the new ball does swing as well. Um, you know, certainly I've had some success at goal before and, and I know some of the other seamers have as well. So it's, it's not all doom and gloom for seamers. We've got to be ready to, to put in a, a big shift over this next two test matches. It might be shorter spells and, and less overs in the day, but um, there's definitely still opportunities to take wickets for us. And just focusing on the pitch, you look at what's coming for, for the England cricket team, not just in test matches, but we've got a T20 World Cup by the back end of the year. How excited are you by the year of cricket ahead for England and the potential of what you might achieve? Yeah, well, I mean, it's great going into a year knowing that you've got some really big opportunities uh, ahead. We've got, you know, it starts right here in Sri Lanka. Always a tough place to, to play test cricket. India equally as tough, if not tougher. And then going into the summer again, five tests against India, something that we always, a team we always love playing against in England. And then, as you said, yeah, the white ball stuff as well. The T20 World Cup, it'd be amazing to, to, to be world champions in both T20 and 50 over cricket. And then the Ashes after that, it just, I mean, it, it's um, mouthwatering when you, you think about the amount of cricket uh, uh, and the, the opportunities there for the, for this team uh, this year. So it's exciting for us and we, we can't wait to get going. In come, oh, great delivery by Anderson. He is squared up after Plessy. He is edged off to the slips. And that change of ends has worked for Jimmy Anderson. The skipper's gone for one. For me, the focus is, is right now. I'm, I'm going to focus on Sri Lanka. You know, I've got myself in, in really good shape. I'd say I'm, I'm as, in as good a shape as I have been in my 30s. And if not better, to be honest. So I'm, I'm just going to try and help this team hopefully win test matches throughout the winter. See how we are when we get towards the, the English summer um, and, and just take it from there, really. I mean, at the minute, I'm feeling absolutely fantastic. We've had quite a lot of time off keeping fit. So, I'm yeah, as I said, just trying to focus on the here and now and, and, and make sure I'm, I'm fit and ready to, to play in these, these test matches this winter. Jimmy Anderson, 150th test match today. Wow, 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 eh? It's unbelievable. We've just seen the, um, we've just seen the, the happy man in uh, Nasser Hussein present the 150th cap to somebody who is you know, just a little bit happier when he, uh, when he gets going and Jimmy Anderson, what an achievement. You know, I've been really lucky that we, we've had central contracts throughout my career, so that, that's really helped manage my workloads not playing one day cricket since 2015 has also helped. There's lots of breaks in between the series that I play, lots of time to work on fitness, let the body recover, things like that. So I, I work probably harder now on my fitness than I, than I ever have. I realize it's a really important part of staying at this level uh, and, and being able to perform at this level. So that's something that I'll, I'll continue to do. And, you know, it's something that I've, I've not got bored of yet. So I think once I do get bored of that, that's maybe time to, to hang the boots up. But, but right now I'm really loving doing the work, putting the, the hard yards in, in the gym and in the, in the nets. And um, hopefully that'll continue. Broad got rid of Fafdu Pasi, the captain as well. Bold in! Stuart Broad has got through Cajizo Rabada's defensive push. Short top edge, hook shot down towards fine leg. Should be out and is. Sam Curran takes a very good catch. And Archer has his fifth wicket. It's Chris Wokes continuing from the golf course end after the drinks break edged. Drinks break's done it. Ben Stokes takes the catch at second slip. Looking ahead to the whole year of cricket we've got ahead and the potential of fast bowling options that we have heading into the ashes at the end of this at the end of the year. How excited are you by the group of fast bowlers that England have at their disposal at the minute? Yeah, I think it's great. If you you know, it's always great to have, have that depth. Um, we've seen from from every team that's gone to Australia or, or been successful away from home in particular, uh, it's important to have a big squad of bowlers who can, uh, anyone can can slot in and, and do a good job for the team. You know, there's going to be injuries along the way. There's going to be rotations. So you, you do need a, a big, a big um, 
group of bowlers. That's what we've got. We've got quality in there as well, which is which is really exciting. Stuart Broad, is this the start of one of those Stuart Broad-type spells? Yeah, I feel like he's, certainly the last couple of years, he's, he's putting so much work on his, on his game and his fitness. He's, he definitely feels like, I think he feels like he's improving as well. I, I, I feel like he's improving. And yeah, I think he's got to offer. And to, to, to bowl the way he did last summer, uh, or last year, in fact, was, uh, I thought was incredible. You know, he showed he's, he's still got a lot to offer this England team, and um, I think that's exciting for us. Jimmy Anderson speaking from his uh, hotel room in uh, Sri Lanka, where the team are in isolation. Moen Ali testing positive for COVID-19. Chris Wokes also forced to isolate because uh, they shared a cab, I think, on the way to the airport. Either way, um, just got to hope Moen Ali's all right. Nasty thing to come down with. Uh, when you're surrounded by your family, but uh, when you're on your own in a foreign country, even more so. It does, however, Steve Harmison, uh, almost certainly rule him out of that first test match, doesn't it? He, he's not going to be able to leave isolation until the day before the test starts. So that's Moeen Ali out of the, out of the uh, first test, you'd, you'd imagine. Um, and that's a huge blow because we're only talking about the importance of this series for Moeen Ali. And playing in that first test match was, was kind of key to him getting a bit of his mojo back, you'd think. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was important that he play in the first test match going forward for India. I think it's huge. This two-test match series is, is huge for England's preparation going into arguably the, the, the biggest series they've had for a long, long time. I know the Ashes is around the corner, but England against India and India doesn't get much bigger than bigger than that. And I think... Getting Mo and Ali back in was was the right thing for the England team. Whether it was going to make England stronger or I couldn't make them any, I couldn't make them weaker, but was it going to make them stronger? That was the the conundrum. Has he got the X factor back? Has he got his mojo back? All those question marks about Mo and Ali. We are now one only going to have one Test match before we get into uh, into Chennai. So for the balance of the side. Doesn't really change too much. We're going to have an off spinner and a left arm spinner, which I think we would have had anyway. I think they would have played. I don't think they would have played three spinners. I think they would have just played two and played. Now they play Bess and Leach. I still go back to what I said on the Critical Collective a couple of weeks ago. I think England's unit that they've gone to Sri Lanka with is a bone attack for Test One and a bone attack for Test Two. So, but I actually thought I didn't actually have Moen in that them bone attacks. I had Bowen in more as the batsman. Mo and Ali rather than the bowling Mo and Ali. I think the winner in this situation, I think it's Sam Curran, because I think now if Chris Wokes has to have a prolonged period, four or five days, maybe it's more, rules him out the first test match. So that means Sam Curran becomes England's all-rounder and he is so important, whether he goes in at six, seven, um, because I think in that bracket of probably was Mo and Ali, potentially bat five, him or Dan Lawrence play three spinners, that's option one, bat six, Two spinners with Chris Wokes at number seven and number eight. So two all-rounders with a couple with a, you know, a couple of bowlers that don't bat as well. I actually think now Sam Curran potentially has to play in both games. So he's going to benefit from, from this when it comes to selection because you need to balance the all-round side. You need a couple of seam bowlers to bowl with a new ball. And if they need a, you know, a little burst of injection of pierced, then I think then that's that. You also need the all-rounder to be able to bat and bowl. And then you've got your two, possibly three spinners. So it's disappointing that Moen's not going to play. And that's really, really hard for the guy. But at the end of the day, balance of this side from England's point of view, I think Sam Curran's the one that's going to win out of this. And I still, like I said before, go back to the theory that England have taken two bowling groups across there with five batsmen to play against Sri Lanka in the two test matches. Brilliant stuff. Well, we'll, uh, we'll speak a little bit more about uh, uh, fast bowling. Talk a little bit more about Sri Lanka as well. Um, because I'm very interested to find out your views on how you avoid injury. An absolute incredible game in the first test match against South Africa, which saw about five of them hobble off and uh, they didn't return. And we're not expecting some of them to return for that England series. Uh, we're also going to speak to a man who's recently played in Sri Lanka, Samit Patel, a Nottinghamshire outlaw, 
uh, will be on the show, as well as uh, Anthony McGrath, Essex uh, head coach. So plenty uh, still to come here on TalkSport 2 and the Cricket Collective. They will. Essex once again have done it. They've won the Bob Willis Trophy here at Lords. The five-day final. They come out on top, drawing the fixture. 179 for six in their second innings. Their target was 237. But that mattered little. They needed to bat throughout the course of day five, and they did so. They made it to the finish line, Niall O'Brien. Champions in 2017. Champions in 2019 and they win the Bob Willis Trophy in 2020. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2. You've just heard from England fast bowler Jimmy Anderson. And uh, we've another top guest for you now. Essex winning coach Anthony McGrath joins Steve and I for a chat about the influence of Alistair Cook winning the Bob Willis Trophy and whether he was the infamous Yorkshire snipper. But first, here's the serious stuff. Well, Max... 2020 was obviously a different year. COVID, you know, the biosecure bubble. You actually spent some time with the England team before, you know, the 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 Essex Essex campaign started. How did you find not only the in there with with Chris Silverwood, who's a good mate of yours, but also having to sort of build a, a season round a such a short format in the the first class, and then and then find your way into to the white ball section of, of the 2020 first class setup. Uh, well, tough, like everyone found it. I mean, I, I didn't actually join up with the, the England team in the end. I was supposed to do, but um, with our season starting at Essex, um, things just didn't work out. But um, it was actually good to see how England put things in place because we got a, a flavour of what we were going to be like for the county guys. Obviously, we weren't staying on site, but very much a, a secure a bubble as we can. But I don't think anyone had experienced anything like it. And certainly in my time, I never thought we'd be coming in in ones and twos and washing the ball after every after every throw down and throwing down in uh you know blue rubber gloves in our dress like someone off bloody ghostbusters at one point so it was just so strange um but i think credit to the old game really i mean as we all know cricket's a great game everyone just smoked in the guys had literally three weeks preparation and for the bowlers in particular to play four or five back-to-back championship games and T20 and finish off the season. I think to produce the cricket, everyone did, you know, is a huge hats off to, to everyone how, how, how we got through it, really. And you yourself, Mags, just joking off, you know, when we weren't live there and talking about me, Goffey and Bats, talking about Anthony McGrath as we would in South Africa, talking to John and, you know, the joker in the pack, you know, did you, how did you fall into this sort of coaching role? Because you came out of Yorkshire, did a little bit at Yorkshire, and then you followed your good mate Chris Silverwood down to Essex in, you know, a successful season. Yeah, I must admit, it wasn't until later in my career I thought about the coaching route. Um, it was just something that crept up on me. As I got older and I were out of the team, you know, didn't play as much, certainly the last year, I ended up just helping out in the nets, really, with, with Jason Gillespie. We had people like Joe Root, Gary Balance, Johnny Bairstow, Livey, Adam Lees, and, and I kind of did some work with them and really got a, uh, an excitement, I'd call it, really, for the coaching side. And, and from there, it was something I thought I could do. And then had a year or two out, came back into Yorkshire, as you mentioned, and then got a call from Silvers just saying, you know, there's a job up. Um, will you put your name in the hat at Essex and it kind of went from there so it wasn't really a, a career path I thought and then five years down the line I've ended up being head coach so um, it's something I've I've really enjoyed and, and grown into really I think it, you know it's something now I think you know why I think about this all all the way through but I guess what you know what it's like when you're playing you're just so kind of wrapped up in your own your own things. You you just want to do the best while you're playing and you're not really thinking about anything else later in your career. Anthony, you know, they always say a strong Yorkshire, strong England, all of that. And certainly historically the two big counties have always been Yorkshire and Surrey. But when you look at the players and the captains that Essex has given England um in its history, is is there a sense there coming from a club so synonymous with the, with England's is there a sense also at Essex when you when you walked in when you walk around the place that it is about Essex but it is also about England as well? Very much so, yeah. I mean, 
having played against Essex a lot, you, you know the players who've played there, but it's not till you actually go to the club. It's it's a smaller club. It's obviously not a test ground, but there's so much history and it's actually a big county. A lot of cricket is played in Essex, both north and then going down into south and east into London. So there's a lot of history and tradition there. And as you said, you know, certainly recent past as well, Graham Gooch, Nasser Hussain, Alistair Cook, to name a few, um, you know, very successful players and captains in their own right and and plenty more who've represented um, England as well who've come through the Estic setup. And you mentioned there, Mags, you mentioned Sir Alistair Cook. We had him on our programme a couple of weeks ago and I don't, I can't praise the kid high enough. You know, the, the guy I played with and, you know, and, and spent a lot of time with, how important was he in that dressing room for you when you first went in? Because you've played in some successful Yorkshire sides, you've played with some fantastic senior players throughout your career, but having somebody there all the time, and imagine during your Yorkshire career, like Zagoffi and Vaughan, and people bouncing back and forward into England, you have got this guy for you know, a prolonged period of time. How good is that to have a little bit of a sounding board, but also an example set to the rest of the group? You can't put a price on it, simple as that. I mean, first and foremost, as you know, he's, he's a great man, uh, very humble for what he's achieved. But um, to have him in the dressing room, he's always the fittest, he always works the hardest. And to use him as an example for the younger players, you know, they've nowhere else to go. So I've been very lucky as a coach to have someone like that. And you mentioned even though he's been with us now uh, for the last couple of years full-time, when he was coming back towards the end of his career, he'd just given up the captaincy. You know how tough it is going from county cricket back to international. And he's probably the best exponent I've seen is that you'd never know he was going through what he was going through and thinking of retiring. His consistency, not just in his cricket, but his behaviour and how he is as a guy is just incredible, really. So I think him... We've got Simon Armour, Peter Siddle, Ryan Tenderscatter, guys who've played a hell of a lot. They're not just good players, they're really good blokes. So for, for, for our coaches and coaching staff to have them, you just point your fingers at them guys and say, that's the standard you guys have got to try and match it. So we're very fortunate in that way. Alistair Kirk. So Alistair Kirk has been a fulsome in his praise to Dan Rents. Give us an idea of the strengths of the batsman. Um, he bowls a bit as well, of course, but... Uh, for a lot of England cricket fans who won't be familiar with Dan, tell us a little bit about him. He's a bit unique how he plays, which I think you know we like about him. He's very unorthodox. Um, he hits the ball in unusual areas. He's someone who looks to score and excite. He's not someone who's just going to you know, try and occupy the crease. He has got a little bit of an unusual technique. I'd say probably favours the leg side, but he's working on his offside game. Uh, very confident. And I think he's one of them players when he's batting, you want to watch him because, you know, he'll do something you're not expecting. But um, it's great to see him on the Sri Lankan tour. I'm hoping he, he gets a chance to, to showcase his skills and players. He, he can play spin very well, which might help him out in Sri Lanka. So um, I think it's going to be exciting for, for people who've not seen him. I think they'll, um, if he does get a chance and he does play, uh, there'll be something happening, uh, whether he's scoring runs or not. Dan Lawrence, a little bit similar to what I know he's not got the same technique as, as as young Wesley or same young Wesley, Tom Wesley, who had a dipped his feet into the England scene, played a lot through the leg side. Have you spoke to, to Dan Lawrence on that front? Because Wesley got found out you know, reasonably quickly that if you bowl straight and good bowlers at the elite level, at the top, top level, do find weaknesses in there. Have you spoke to him about the temperament and things that he's probably going to have to cope with as he goes up. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're pretty different players. Um, I think one thing Dan has recognised is he had a big pre-delivery movement and he's, he's kind of standing still now, particularly in the red ball game. And I think that's allowed him to open up the offside more. I think he was getting quite a far across to the off stump, so everything were going leg side, whereas now, you know, he has got the skill and the hand-eye to hit it through the offside. So, I think given he's a very good T20 player, he can score 360 as well. So mm-hmm. he does find ways where teams try and shut him down. For instance, outside the off stump, he will then react to that. So again, he's he's a young player as well, Harmy. I think we've got to remember that even though he's been around county cricket for four or five years, he started at 17. So mm-hmm. he's still developing. 
But um, the best thing I can say about him against good bowlers, he can score off their good balls. So I think that gives him a good chance. Oh, happy days. And Mags, the fire car, the final, Bob Willis Trophy final, it's named after the great man. Something different is this the new first class? Did you enjoy playing the shorter format? Potentially next year being 10 games in. What was it like to lift the trophy at Lords? Yeah, I mean, it was fitting, I think, to be named after Bob. And I think the, the season we've all had and with COVID, it, it was great that we could have a, a showcase final at Lords, albeit without fans. Um, I'm a big advocate of the two divisions. I like the promotion relegation. I think it's, you know, exciting all the way through. The games have something on them. But, um, you know, we've got the three divisions next year with the Bob Willis Trophy final. So, um to have a final at Lords, I think is great for a, for a four-day game, but I think the champions should be over the length of the season. I don't yeah. think it should come down to a one-off game. I think it should be the consistency throughout the year. So I think it would be good to to keep uh, you know named after Bob Willis, but I'd, I would like it at some point to go back to a traditional championship season. And before I let you go, Mags, I've got, uh, we've had Gav Hamilton on, McGoffey had Gav Hamilton on, Bats has told me I've got to ask you, and Goffey's told me I've got to ask you, were you Jack the Snipper at Yorkshire? No. <laughs> um, it's plenty of stories. I think I were one of the youngest, so I kind of got the blame. And you know what I were like. I mean, I couldn't stop laughing if I were blamed for something. So, <laughs> give, an example yeah, of what, give me an example of what Jack the Snipper was for people who do not know. He was someone who was just cutting socks and underpants, I think, from the early 90s. And he... Um, he was terrorising, you know, people in the dressing room. And uh, I think it happened on that many occasions. People were trying to look who were in the team at that point. So I think the famous one where it came to David Bias, as you know, captain, uh, yeah. very serious man. Uh, we'd lost a game at Sussex. We were top of the championship. They were seven down at lunch, needing another 150. We lost the game somehow. And um, Dave came in first in the shower and went to put his socks on and pulled them up to his knees and he went absolutely <laughs> mad. We had a, a Sunday league game the next day and he said, unless anyone owned up, we weren't going to play and he weren't going to toss up. I think it was Peter Mars at the time with the Sussex captain asking Dave at half one in the old 40 overs to toss up and he were refusing to play until Jack the Ripper or Jack the Snipper owned up, but he never did. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where it got to. <laughs> Brilliant, Mags. Mags, Matt, thanks very much for your time. I wish you well yeah, with Essex thanks, in the pre-season and also for the season that's coming up um, in 2021. Thanks, Matt. Pleasure. Cheers, guys. Go well. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. And still to come, Nottinghamshire T20 winner, Sammy Patel. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine 
and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. side he says two it goes for four and that will do nicely 50 for Ducky he won't worry about that it's the knots outlaws 2020 champions in 2020 they have absolutely thrashed Lancashire in the semi and now they have thrashed Surrey brilliant performance Hello, you're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2, also available on the following on podcast feed. You've already heard from England's Jimmy Anderson, and we've another top guest for you now, Knotts and England's spin-arounder, Samir Patel. Samir, we've talked to Anthony McGrath about 2020, um, Essex, uh, fantastic, winning the championship, but Knotts won the T20 on a very, very cold early October night um, against... John's very own Surrey. Um, you managed to get over the line. First of all, how was 2020, as in the, the year 2020, COVID, for you know, a county cricketer um, leading into what was a different finals day this year? You'd have to say hats off to the ECB for actually getting some sort of cricket in, to be honest. We actually started, it was a bit weird not having pre-season when it was cold and you get your woolly hats and gloves and stuff on, uh, catching balls. And then actually regrouping again in around July, uh, August was was kind of a bit different. And yeah, it was great to see all the lads again when we when we finally got back training, and the whole protocols of of COVID. Um, it was a little bit difficult to be honest and challenging, but we were we just wanted to get out and, and play some cricket. To be honest, three months at home was definitely difficult, um, and and great to play some cricket, I suppose. The 2020 campaign for Knots, um, did it because it came so sort of so late and you 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 so you're moving around. Was it did the players that played for Knots help? Because what I mean is there's a lot of franchise cricketers in there. You like Sir Heels, Duckett, yourself, Trago, Dan Christian, you know, Wazim. They're all cricketers who have played franchise crickets in the likes of Pakistan and Bangladesh and and, and you played in Sri Lanka this year. We'll come on to that in a bit. Did that help when you were trying to get ready for what was a different T20 blast? Absolutely. I think, obviously, experience helps in, in all forms of cricket. But, obviously, T20 cricket, you, you do need experience. And if you look down our our team and our squad, the amount of games that we've played is pretty scary, to be honest. And we could go in with whatever lineup, We could leave blokes out and still be strong. And, and I think that we didn't have Harry Gurney playing all year this year. And yeah. we still had the likes of... Fletch, Borley, Chappie, there's Tom Barber. There's plenty of seamers that could play um, and be and we'd be okay. Um, and I think the strength and depth is, is fantastic that we've got. And it's quite a bit of luxury that we've got, to be honest. And, yeah, it, we always pride ourselves on one-day cricket um, and white ball cricket. Not, 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 we don't disregard four-day cricket at all, but I think the way that our team is lined up at the minute, it's... Yeah, that's that's exactly where we go. Is is that we know our strongest format, um, and again, uh, we play off the experience um, all the time. And yeah, we have some match winners in our team. I want to talk to you about one of those match winners, Dan Christian. I mean, that guy. I don't know what I don't know what he has in his juice, but he's not getting any older, is he? I mean, I think he hit a fifteen-ball half century in the Big Bash uh, a week or so ago. Um, in terms of what he brings to the sides, you know. It's almost unparalleled with the success that he's had, I suppose. It, it must be uh, such a strength for Nottinghamshire to have him. Um, quick question about him. And also Jake Ball, you know, a guy that you would have seen firsthand. You know, it must have been very, very difficult for him being within the England setup, then out of the England setup. You must be delighted to see that it looks like he's back in the selector's reckoning again after what's been a very difficult couple of years. Yeah, firstly on Dan, we always have a laugh and say that old blokes win stuff. And he always puts a tweet out there every time he wins a trophy saying that old blokes do win stuff. And 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 again, I think experience counts. He played a lot of games, knows exactly how to how to do it and how to win tournaments. And 
it's no coincidence that wherever he goes, he, he, he gets a trophy because one, he's, he's a team player and, and secondly, he's a match winner. So that, that comes hand in hand. And then obviously on Jake, yeah, I've seen him made it, make his second team debut, his first team debut. It wasn't there for his international debuts, but you, what you do know with Jake is that he actually, he's got a good, good head on his shoulders and he knows exactly what he wants to do. And obviously, as Harmy would definitely know that being around the England set up for, for a number of years is that there are some challenges with that. And obviously that Ashes tour can make you or break you. And I reckon that sometimes it can go the other way. And unfortunately it did for Jake after starting so well in international cricket. So I think that sometimes you do need a bit of time in first class cricket to find a way again, and then you come back a better bowler. And I think that that's exactly what he's done. Is that the same for the likes of, I know Clark hasn't had any international stuff, but there's a lot of talk about Joe Clark being very close to the international scene, whether it be red ball or white ball. And someone like Ben Dockett, who had a a taste of it, a little bit of a struggle. And, yeah, finals day will come on to, but he got a a 50 in the final of finals day. And when you get big scores, a good score, it was a big score in a a 13-over game, um, it tells you a lot about the player and what sort of class the player is. Absolutely, and we'll go on to start with Clark first. I think that Clark, he, he's, all, he's always played first-class cricket and, and he's got a great record in first-class cricket. And he knows, I think a batsman needs to learn his trade first and get a lot, a lot, plenty of amount of games in first-class cricket. And then I think test cricket becomes a little bit more easier. I think that the guys that get stuck, get chucked in straight away in the deep end can either drown or they, they swim and, and they carry on. But I think more time in first-class cricket can kind of help them. In, in the test format, and I know, Homie, you'll be, you'll be a fan of that as well, mm-hmm. as a bowler especially, getting overs and wickets under your belt firstly, knowing the fact that you can do it, and then it won't be such a big step up when you do play test cricket. And I think that same, Ducky's had the taste, but I reckon if they do get another chance to go back in it, I'm sure they'd be better for it. Take us back to finals, dear. You know, a very, very different, but cold finals, dear. You're, you're, you're going there the night before and you're thinking, right, are we going to play... Five over games, ten over games, twenty over games. Ideally, what sort of mindset were you were you getting to the ground at Edgebast then on the morning of the of, of an October morning of, of T Twenty Blast? Well, well, the thing was that we were the second game, and we knew that if the first game wasn't played, then we knew that we would go into the reserve day. Um, and looking at the forecast, we had our minds. Obviously, you want to play and get the game done, but we don't want it to be a lottery, uh, especially doing all the hard work and then get to a final finals day you don't you don't want it to be a bit of a lottery so I think the minimum overs was was 10 so the, the fact that we got more in was even better uh, so yeah it was it was great it was cold but as again we obviously the team that we had we were desperate especially for the the last finals day we had with with missing out when Ducky missed the last ball we kind of learned a lot from that and it was a pretty disappointing day obviously last year but the T20 finals there this year was was outstanding and obviously Ducky hit the winning runs this year. So, yeah, and he was not out. And I think Ben's had a great year, to be honest, um, in all formats of the game. Um, so, yeah, it's it's plenty plenty on the positive side for Knotts at the minute. Compare and contrast with uh, your experiences playing the big, uh, the uh, the blast in front of an empty empty stadium and, and playing in Sri Lanka at the, uh, the Lankan Premier League. Slightly warmer, I imagine. Definitely warmer. Um, but obviously the crowd not being there sometimes does play a fact because I do like the crowd to be there because I can't play off that. Um, so I know boys, I found it hard not, not seeing any crowd there. And I know the energy that it gives that you see the crowd um, players react to. So, yeah, that was definitely strange. But obviously, again, it's a great, it was a new league, the new league in a, in a different country that I've not really played T20 in really. So, yeah, it was, it was great. It was a um, great experience. Some lot of good players, so yeah, it was it was a great great start. What are England going to expect out there in you know in a, in a couple of weeks' time? You know, we don't know what sort of side England they're going to are going to pick, but there was one or two players in in your side in the Dan Buller side that England are going to come up against. What sort of conditions are going to get first up? England going to be looking at three spinners, or do you think there's going to be a little bit more pace in the wickets where England might just have to play two? Uh, to be honest, Tommy, I think that. Sri Lanka do have a little bit of pace. If they're if they're all fit, they have some pace. Um, this guy Chimera bowls at one fifty. Um, they have 
Lahura Kamara, who bowls at 145. They, they do have some pace, but I reckon, you know, when we used to go to Sri Lanka and they used to have Murali and Rangana and, and people, yeah. like, I don't think they have that kind of quality of spinners anymore. So I think they might have to go to a different tack, to be honest. Um, and I reckon England have all bases covered, to be honest. So, yeah, the pitches, they're obviously going to spin. We know that we know they could spin. But I wouldn't be so surprised if they do leave a bit of grass on it because it will favour their seams a bit. And you, Samet, 36-year-old, you did a, a little stint on, on loan, but you know, in, in Glamorgan, Notts is, Notts is the final destination of Samet Patel's career. What's 2021 going to hold for, for you? Fingers crossed, uh, a full season. Well, yeah, hopefully, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but I've, I've signed a, just a T20 deal, but not ruling out um, playing four-day cricket at all. So I've just signed a T20 deal with Knotts. And yeah, I, I just think it's, I'm at the time of my career where I just think that some of the young lads do need to come on and the likes of Liam Patterson-White and Matt Carter to, to provide in the spin bowling department. And it gives an extra batsman a crack. And I think that, I think that's the way that I've made my decision. I think I want to put all my eggs um, solely on T20 cricket. I think I've got a lot to give still in, in, in the T20 format. So, yeah, I'm I'm rearing to go in, in, that, in the white ball aspect. A big thanks to Samit. Uh, we weren't expecting that answer, that's for sure. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. In terms of COVID substitutions, I would love to. I would love to have one. I mean, we're five guys down at the moment, you know. So, um, luckily, we bought 21. Otherwise, it would be Grand Flower at three and me at four in the next test match. I do sit on that ICC cricket committee. I, I will be having a chat. I think at the end of this test match because I, I saw um, uh, India. I, India uh, lost lost one of their quicks today, and, and, and I suspect that more teams are going to lose quicks as it goes on because it's just the, the rigours of the workloads is just going to be too much with COVID around and the quarantine process. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 and myself, John Norman and Steve Harmison. You've just heard the words of the Sri Lankan coach, Mickey Arthur. An incredible uh, series has just come to an end, not in terms of the result, uh, South Africa uh, battering Sri Lanka really, Harmi, but no real surprise because the second test match featured, I think, five players who didn't uh, get selected for the first test match. And the reason was that was injury. Now, let's turn our attention back to 2019, right? We're inside the first hour of play on the first day of the first test match and the number one bowler in the world hobbles off with a calf injury and we don't see him again for the rest of the series. England then have to p- play the rest of that test match, a bowler down. Australia, with nine wickets down, they're about 120 for nine. Steve Smith at one end, Peter Siddle at the other, and um, or they're eight down. And the man who's taken Peter Siddle's wicket more than any other is off the field with an injury. I think, he's take, I think he took Siddle's wicket 14 times. Anyway, we all know what happened. Brilliant rearguard effort from Australia. They post a score. They go on to win a match that I would say most cricket fans would suggest they would have lost if England's best bowler had remained on the field. Now, that's one thing, OK? But if you fast forward to the Lord's Test match and it's Australia's turn to lose their most influential player. This time it's Steve Smith. He's knocked to his feet, off his feet by a Jofra Archer bouncer. But because of the newly brought in concussion protocol... Australia can take Steve Smith out and put Marnus Labuschagne in. Marnus Labuschagne is essentially the reason they save that test match. And he goes on to become a, uh, a huge, huge thorn in England's side for the rest of the series. Two players lost, only one replaced. Is Mickey Arthur right? Should we now look at bringing in substitutes for injured cricketers? I would say yes on the Steve Smith. I do not have a problem with concussion substitutes. Bang on the head. I've not got an issue with that. Medical side of both sides agree. Both medical departments agree that this guy is concussed and he can't carry on. It would be better for him to be, you know, to not go back on the field. I don't have a problem with substitutes there. Muscle injuries, I do. I think from a fitness point of view, if you're not fit enough, you will, you know, you will pull up and you will, 
you'll you'll get strains, you will get pulls, you will get tears. If you physically you're not fit enough, that comes back to preparation. I, I, my opinion is I don't see there being a, a case for a, a substitute if somebody tears a hamstring or does a groin or pops a pops a side. You know, it means that their body wasn't tuned enough to to do the job that they're, they're asking their bodies to do. Um, when you, you're talking about somebody who didn't didn't have any muscles to pull, so I was quite happy that. <laughs> I was, and that that's how I played as much cricket. Me and Hoggy played as much cricket as we did. We didn't have muscles to pull. If you look at the size of us now, you can realise what, you know, that that the only thing that kept us fit in, in relative trim was actually bowling and bowling lots. Um, so no, I, I'm not with Mickey Arthur on the substitutes of, of of muscle injuries because it means I haven't done their preparation properly. But how can you prepare for a test series in these COVID times? So Sri Lanka have just played two test matches after not playing anything for a long time, sitting in isolation, quarantining. Then they get, then they play a test match. They have two bowlers pull out, two batsmen, uh, and an all rounder, I think. England are going to play that first test match in Sri Lanka without any meaningful warm-up. They're going to encounter the same problem. That's not their fault. That's because we're living in these COVID times. But in, I, I agree with that. I think that's that would be one one argument that I couldn't come back with. That if you would, but if you were to bring in a substitute for muscle injuries, like what you had in Sri Lanka, South Africa, and all of a sudden that would stay in the game. And I, I don't think that's right for it to stay in the game. I know we're living in challenging times. The lower the COVID time is challenging times, but I'd like to stick with what we've got, and that is the game as it is. You know, we don't have substitutes other than. Than the, the the concussion one, which was right after the the, the sad tragic accident, what happened to to Philip Hughes. Any time you get a bang on the head, now I think you have to treat it with with the right caution. But I think the rest of it, and I think it goes it comes back to what I said earlier in the program, John. I think England are, England are preparing for the India series against Sri Lanka as of two warm up games, and I think they've took two bowling attacks. They have took two bowling attacks for the simple fact is we're not going to play this other than probably spin bowlers. We're not going to play the seamers in two games consecutive. We're going to have a game amongst ourselves. We're going to get one group of bowlers, a little bit of a break, play the other group in a test match, and then they're going to get a break, and we're going to play another group in the second test match. Now, for argument's sake, people will come back to me and say, well, the smaller nations aren't haven't got that luxury of picking 17, 18 players good enough to play test match cricket. That's fine. I'll I'll take that on the chin. But at this moment in time, I do not want our beautiful game disrupted and having substitutes for the sake of substitutes because how can you define somebody is injured enough and then all of a sudden there's grey areas. And once you get into grey areas, for me, just don't bring them into the game. I played in the substitute ODI world. Simon Jones came off for Paul Collingwood, I think it was, off of Vic Ben Solanke down at Bristol. Didn't bowl a ball, had the best day of his life. And that, that for me, it was farcical. It was we were taking a we had to take a, a bowler out of the game because we were we were seventy for five. All of a sudden, when you start messing with a great game of cricket that we all love, I think it becomes farcical. So it is devastating if you're a Sri Lanka fan. You have had so many injuries in that game. Could you prepare and gone a week earlier, more time on the ground, more preparation on the ground? That would be my argument. If England get injuries like Sri Lanka have done in South Africa. Would have been the the argument would be get there a bit earlier and play your warm games. Make sure you're ready to play in the first test match. If you're not, well, somebody's going to suffer the consequences. And if it is the bowlers, then that's the game we play. And that's the, how hard it is to play the game of cricket if you're a bowler. So comes back to what I said before. I think England have taken two bowling attacks to Sri Lanka to get ready for India. Let's look at the six test matches then. Uh, as a whole, because one of the other things that came out of um, the pre flight media conference that Joe Root gave was that Joss Butler would be vice captain and it seems like he is absolutely bang on uh, going to play both these test matches in India as wicketkeeper batsman batsman wicketkeeper whichever way around is that a bit of a surprise considering Ben Folkes is in the side um, Ed Smith the national selectors has intimated that Joss Butler is going to have some time off uh, if he's going to have some time off wouldn't it make sense to miss the Sri Lanka series rather than possibly the last two test matches of the India series. And 
Are they going to let him go if it's one all with two to play or England are two nil up? I mean, it seems it doesn't something doesn't quite sound right to me there. It does seem bizarre. How do I say this without really you know, wanting to make a headline? Because I hate it when people try and make headlines for the sake of making headlines. I actually think Ben Fox is a selection of Ed Smith and not a selection of Joe Root and Chris Silverwood. I think if that was the case, I think you wouldn't you would not have heard Joe Root say what he said. If Joe Root thinks Ben, ben Fox is an established member of this group who will take the gloves, then he would have then I think he would have said that. All of a sudden, he's come out with no question marks whatsoever before anybody starts asking. Josh Butler is my number one wicketkeeper. That for me, when he said that, that alarm bells rang to me. It was like, well, Ben Folks wasn't my pick, sort of thing. I've got Johnny Bairstow who's going to bat number four, number five in this series. Um, I've got him there as a backup. Ben Folks has been given to me rather than I actually wanted him. So I don't know that for a fact. It's just me being me being me and speculating and looking the cynical side of it. I agree. It would be very difficult for Josh Butler to go home at 1-1 after the two Chennai Test matches. But it seems that England have, have, have basically made this plan that, like I said before, the two bowling attacks potentially in Sri Lanka and then players are going to come in, players are going to go out into India. And then you've got potential Josh Butler going home. They haven't said that Johnny Bairstow is going to keep wicket. But I think that answer from Joe Root was basically saying, if Johnny Besto scores runs in Sri Lanka, it would be very, very difficult to leave him out of the side. And the one place that we can put him into the side when Ben, ben, um, sorry, ben Stokes and all the players come back in, Ollie Pope comes back in, is when Josh Butler goes home, Johnny Besto will go back to number seven and he will keep wicket. And I think mm. there, that tells me that Ben Folks wasn't exactly... The England captain's first pick. He is another left field pick by Ben uh, by Ed Smith, along with Dan Lawrence. Because I have not heard the England captain come out and say too, too many big statements about Dan Lawrence batting at number four, number five for England. Interesting stuff. Joss Butler, of course, was a left field selection two years ago, wasn't he? When uh, Ed Smith uh, brought him into the side. So uh, we shall see. Listen, Harmy, run out of time, unfortunately, but we will be back. Um, this time next week with um, a full preview. We'll, uh, we'll no doubt uh, know a little bit more about the team makeup. We would have heard from some of the key individuals participating um, and we will be that much closer to the first test match getting underway. Hopefully with no new COVID scares, uh, we can but dream. Mate, thanks for your time today. Uh, an absolute pleasure as always. Uh, thanks to Samit Patel and also Anthony McGrath as well. Um, fantastic stuff from them. And Jimmy Anderson, of course, how could I forget him? Uh, you can subscribe and listen to the uh, following on podcast on Acast, uh, iTunes um, and Apple Podcasts. But that's uh, pretty much it for now. Thanks for listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today.